0: The Crude Life every Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday.
1: Live podcast. My name is Jason Spies, the North Dakota Nomad. The Shale play Profit. We are broadcasting from the Hatch Coaches Studio, Provolone. Our entitled intern is manning the production elements of the podcast. Coming up on today's program, Joel Brown of Mineral Tracker will join us a little later in the program on our Bakken barbecue phone lines. He grew up in Watford City, North Dakota, where is the heart of the Bakken oil boom right now, and He recalls sweeping floors, working other duties around his grandfather's oil field shop as a child to what he's doing today with MineralTracker.com. Very active in the Watford City area as well. Mike McMahon joins us with Ecovapor Recovery Systems at the end of the program. Discusses some flaring solutions and emission management on the tail end of the program. Headlines coming up in just a moment or two. Clark Energy Consulting is our sponsor for today's program. I will tell you a little more about Clark Energy Consulting in just a moment. I do want to mention our featured event for today, the Illinois Oil and Gas Association 2020 Annual Convention and Trade Show. It's their 74th annual convention happening in Evansville, Indiana. Hundreds of independent oil and gas producers and vendors from Illinois and surrounding states We'll be on hand to learn from industry experts about current trends, challenges, regulations, current industry environment, all the stuff going on in the oil and gas industry around Illinois and Indiana and the area around there. So I tell you folks, sometimes we talk about the Permian and the Bakken and Colorado, the Powder River, Marcellus, Haynesville, Delaware, you name it. But Illinois is one we don't talk about very often. So it's the 74th annual... Illinois oil and gas convention happening in Evansville Indiana for more information go to the crude click on our show page link and we've got the links right there Johnny Green the earth's champion the greatest environmentalist on earth has left me a note for our eco watch Johnny Green of course is the earth's champion we sponsored him with his message that Cell phones are the number one polluter on the planet, and you can't have renewables without fossil fuelables, meaning that environmentalists have lost their way, and you need fossil fuelables to have renewables. And Johnny Green, we love his energy. We love what he's all about. He thinks cell phones need to be powered down at least for an hour a day, and we can all still drive our cars. And his message went out, and he won the championship belt. And he likes to leave me messages on his eco watch when it has to do with energy because he's very in tune when it comes to he. Johnny Green is very in tune when it comes to energy. Johnny Green writes, Building one wind turbine requires 900 tons of steel, 2,500 tons of concrete, and 45 tons of plastic. Let me repeat that. Building one wind turbine requires 900 tons of steel, 2,500 tons of concrete, and 45 tons of plastic. That is a Planet Service announcement brought to you by the Earth's champion, Johnny Green. For more information on Johnny Green or a link to that particular story, go to life.com and click on our show page for today's podcast. We still have headlines coming up, folks. Joel Brown with MineralTracker.com, Mike McMahon with Eco Vapor Recovery Systems, The music you're listening to is the Moody River Band as part of our Crude Life music crossover. Our studio sponsor is Hatch Coaching. Our phone line sponsor is the Bakken Barbecue. And the Crude Life podcast can be heard every Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday. We're going to take a quick pause, but I do want to mention before we take our quick little break and come back for headlines, which, by the way, they're looking pretty good today. Our sponsor because we do need to keep our lights on here and we need to let people know how we keep those lights on because it's not just a flick of a switch it's the hard-working men and women out there like clark energy consulting clark energy consulting is an advisory firm that provides market research and commentary specifically for investment consulting and industry professionals focused on oil and gas for more information Visit Clark and be sure to sign up for their weekly OG brief for podcasts, articles, reports, and briefings. That's
0: Clark Energy Consulting. The crude life every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday.
2: The inside is you been
1: Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Speece the North Dakota nomad, the shale play prophet. Thank you very much for the emails that have been coming into our program, Jason at CrudeLife.com. Of course, that's where I got the nicknames from, and I'm going to use them, folks. I love it very much. In fact, we like to give some of our guests nicknames as well. And our intern provolone, our entitled intern provolone, who comes to us via the university where he was majoring in entitlement, learning a little bit about hard work here, especially this week, as he's learning that uh what we're doing, folks, is we're putting together some sound bites. And so he's learning a lot about production and how different sound bites work. And did you get your assignment done, Provolone? And and you don't get to speak yet because not until you're done with the two sound bites which i didn't think would take you all day but that's okay you're, you're gonna get there so you got one would you like to play it right now because i i think so okay well is this the michael clancy one talking about the big bad wolf yeah play that one that one's fun Did, that's the only that's the only one you have right no, I mean, if that's the only one you have, then that's the one you're going to play. And if it's the one that's it says Michael Clancy, Big Bad Wolf. So I'm, I did the interview. I know what it's about. The people don't know what it's about. You just did the editing. You know what it's about. The people are totally fresh to this. This is the people's podcast. It's the people's. All right. Esoteric energy. Throwing out the script. We're supposed to be doing headlines right now but we're going to play your work provolone we're stopping the show essentially so that the people on the people's podcast powered by esoteric energy can listen to i don't know what is it a 30 second a minute and a half sound sound bite that took you a couple hours to do i mean i'm i'm grateful i'm grateful that You're helping out. I am. But at the same time, deadlines are actual things. Now, I get it in the podcast world. There's no such thing as a deadline because whatever. You could drop the podcast whenever. I'm going to drop it whenever. But the people expect it at midnight. Well, you know what? The people listen to it when the people want to listen to it. In the old way, the world used to work. We had deadlines, so we're just gonna mix them together here a little bit. Little, you know, a little from column A, a little from column B. You know, we're gonna everybody's a little bit happy and a little bit upset. That's the type of podcast we're into. Uniting here, provolone. We want to unite. We are energy united. Okay. That's what we are. We are energy united. That's what's going on here. We're healing the millions and millions across the globe. I looked at our podcast stats the other day. Did you see how many people from the Ukraine listen to this? I couldn't believe it. How did we get triple digits? I mean, it was like 500 people listened to this program in the Ukraine. What are, I mean, what do you got, ancestors there? Because I'm not me. species is about as German as it comes. Over there, they're still trying to figure out windmills and biomass and all kinds of weird energy over there. Tripling and quadrupling my ancestors' energy bills, telling them it's all green. And really, they're saying, give me more, you will green, buddy. Hey, Your hard-earned money, give me some. All right, we've gotten off track here again. You got to start. Provolone, you got to get a whip. You got to get those foam uh, oil cans to throw at me. The I I like the one shaped like a bat and the puffer fish. Um, those are two of my favorite ones, but hey, take your pick. All right, Provolone, let's get you your soundbite, this hard-earned sound bite that you did. It's a big issue. Um, Great work, you know, Provolone, excellent work. Round, See, now we're getting more familiar with the software. Um, that was uh, Michael know, Clancy. He's the president making, of EcoPoint out of Grand Junction, out, Colorado, uh, interview we did with him wolf. last year. Uh, I think really In fact, we should probably do like a weekly Provolone segment where you pull out idea, some old sound clip from a... What past we, interview soundbite from a few uh, years ago those are kind of fun so do, all right excellent job Balone. Really let's get to headlines uh, coming up next year it's headlines folks by the way I do want to mention that Clark with, Energy Consulting uh, is our sponsor for today's uh, podcast and as we go to headlines our first one says Democrats courting Oklahomans you know, seek uh, limits on oil and gas production. So uh, the Democrats are the openly talking about, oh, I know Bernie that, Sanders here uh, on this news story. let's take a look at what the article itself says. As really Democratic presidential candidates court Oklahomans for votes. Um, Some are calling for measures that would sharply curtail activity by the oil and gas industry, Um, one of the state's largest economic engines. We have to take on the fossil fuel industry and all their lies and tell them their short-term profits are not more important than the future of this planet, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders said recently. Okay, well, that's two sentences there, and that is a headline. And this is interesting because, again, it's another example of how they're taking the anti-oil and gas movement to a national platform. And a lot of mainstream publications are having no problem picking on and shaming the oil and gas industry, yet it powers 96% of what we do in our daily lives, from our toothbrushes to our toothpaste to, you know, quite honestly, a lot of the food that we get whether it be the trucks driving it or the uh, petrochemicals or whatever it might be, the diesel that powers the tractors. This is stuff that we're all used to. So what should we do about it? Well, this is where we need to elect leaders who are not crazy people, leaders who understand that we need to compromise on things. We can't just be living on a... The planet of platitudes. In fact, we need to figure out some sort of watch on the planet of platitudes. Are we going to do it like a superhero? You know, like the Justice League? Or maybe like days of our lives, like the sands through the hourglass. So are the planets of platitudes. In fact, every day you could find a news story with some leader appointed or elected who gets paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to make decisions that are supposed to impact and influence your life. I'll bet you I could find one every single day of somebody living in the planet of platitudes. Leonardo DiCaprio flying around on a jet, a private jet, not even coach, not even coach, a private jet. That's what I'm saying. If it would have been coach, okay, well, the sum of greater goods, right? Okay, this and that. Well, you know, we're ride sharing. They don't even do that. The leaders of the environmental movement are the craziest of all. And when I say crazy, I actually mean the Webster's definition. But then again, I'm the one who's crazy, thinking that people are going to change thinking that people are going to look at somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio and think, oh yeah, he's not actually helping the environment. No, they're looking at him and saying, oh, he's rich, he's got dreamy eyes. He says oil and gas is terrible. I believe him. And there goes another episode of the Planet of Platitudes. I don't know. You got to find some theme music there. We got plenty of it. What do you mean? We got bands. By the way, folks, if your band from your local area would like a little music crossover here on the Crude Life, like the Moody River Band, Jason at thecruedlife.com is where you send the email. Jason at thecruedlife.com. And we'll certainly get in touch with them and figure out how we can do our industry crossover. Uh, the Moody River Band is the music that you're listening to. The links are available at the show page. On to our next headline, as we continue with headlines. This one is from the Houston Chronicle. Oil industry is slowly finding a use for its wastewater. Oil field wastewater is more often being used for drilling and fracking operations in places such as Texas's Permian Basin, experts say, helping to preserve freshwater and to solve one of the industry's persistent problems. Millions of gallons of water are needed to bring into production a single well for horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing. The amount of wastewater brought back up from a well during its lifetime can be several times as much. All right, what this says here, this story, by the way, folks, because I do know a little bit more about it. Water is a major issue. Okay, when the Bakken First came out, there was a story like a year later that said, oops, we forgot to carry the one. We need seven times more water than we originally thought. Then I think the next year was like 20 times as much water. The Permian had a very similar uh, story that went along with it and so did the Marcellus. So what they found out is they needed more water. And so what happened is the R&D had to really get ramped up. I mean, think about if you're an energy company, research and development on flaring and emission control, research and development on water and recycling, research development on anything to having to do with an environmentalist or a sage grouse. So, I mean, think about if you're an oil and gas company, you can't do anything right, even when you spend money. But this is where they're getting something right, okay? The way these smart, clever capitalists are going at recycling water reusing water and reinventing water really. So hats off to the oil and gas industry for what they're doing for figuring out a way to reuse wastewater, figuring out ways to recycle water. This is a story that needs more light. Now it needs more help, but it needs more light because they're doing a fantastic job on this and with all the radioactive water talk and all this other stuff, that is just hogwash. Hey, wordplay. There you go. All right, let's get to the next one here. I, you know, it did, I didn't really feel like that I was concluded, but the use of hogwash was so good. I just mic dropped and wanted to be done with it because, you know, I mean, honestly, when it comes to the water, the smart, clever capitalists are figuring this out. Our final headline for today is a good one. I saw this provolone, and I'll have you know, I follow this story. I have. This comes from live science or is it livescience.com? Mad Mike Hughes dies in rocket crash. And folks, I got to tell you that this breaks my heart because Mad Max is a flat earther. Okay. Oh, that's what it says as a sub headline. He was an avowed flat earther. Mike Hughes, the self taught rocket scientist and self avowed flat earth conspiracy theorist died Saturday morning, February 22nd, during an attempt to launch a homemade rocket outside Barstow in San Bernardino County, California, according to news reports. Mad Mike, as he called himself, was attempting to reach an altitude of 5,000 feet Saturday. He rode his rocket into the sky, but something went wrong as he rocketed into the air atop a column of steam A green parachute seemed to rip off from the rocket as seen in the video posted to Twitter by freelance journalist Justin Chapman. Hughes then fell to his death, said Darren Schuster, his public relations representative, as reported by the LA Times. First of all, folks, I, I do want to say I don't want to make light of Mad Mike Hughes' death. But with that being said, I implore you, to go to the crude life website click on the links go get the links however you want it's just easy at the crude life website watch the video and i have not watched saturday morning cartoons for a number of years i love saturday morning cartoons i used to get up watch them it was it was a it was a ritual it it, and that was the closest thing I've seen to a Wiley e. Coyote cartoon. And folks, I'm not trying to make light of this, but when you watch it, you got to imagine you're Mad Max. You're being rocket propelled into the sky, 5,000 feet with a steam powered rocket because you believe the earth is flat. Okay. Out of all the conspiracy theorists out there, like and I'll, I'll I'll I love me a good conspiracy and I will enable crazy, till I'm bored. But the flat Earth people, I've never understood that. I will let the reptilian conspiracy people have a longer day in the sun than the flat Earth people. Okay, when it comes to just I I don't I don't understand how that conspiracy theory still. The reason I'm bringing this up is because this was covered by the science channel okay why is the science channel promoting this guy because they knew he was going to fall to his death a years ago i was on kfgo okay we were an award-winning news radio station still award-winning i won two national awards with them big giant tsunami scare in hawaii and we happen to know some people in Hawaii. So you do what any local news organization does is you find the local connection to a national story. So here I am, I'm interviewing the person who's sitting on, I think it was their 25th floor of a condo or, in a, or in a, a hotel in Hawaii. So even if the tsunami hit Hawaii, they were gonna be fine. During the course of the interview, I just, I, I had a revelation and I said, Does anybody else find it odd that we're watching on TV, all the news networks were 24 seven on Hawaii with this big tidal wave coming. I was talking to somebody who was sitting on their balcony watching the waves waiting for this big tidal wave to come. And then Mad Max happened. And when you watch the video, you're just watching a guy plummet to his death. That's the reality of it and so it almost makes you step back as a human being and say, what is it that attracts us to this? So this morbid reality. So and we do. So I, it was just a weird thing. This whole Mad Max Flat Earth, it was like a Wile e. Coyote cartoon. And I don't want to make light of it because a man did die. But at the same time, he had a steam-powered rocket because he wanted to prove the Earth was flat, and at what point did he know that the parachute wasn't there when he pushed the button, when he was falling, when he was falling 5,000 feet to the round Earth? Do you think he realized at that too much too soon? Okay, well either way, folks, check it out. I'm telling you, it is a wily e. coyote video where the parachute—you see the parachute—and then it's just not. And that's going to do it for headlines. We're going to take a brief pause when we come back. Joel Brown with MineralTracker.com is our guest on the Bakken barbecued phone lines. He is our featured guest. But real quick, I do want to mention that Clark Energy Consulting is an advisory firm that provides market research and commentary specifically for investment, consulting, and industry professionals focused in oil and gas. They advise on topics ranging from market and growth strategy to investment and risk analysis. This election year, Clark Energy Consulting is launching a 2020 campaign called OG Briefs, designed to provide regular updates on oil prices, current events, and outlooks on the sector via podcasts, articles, reports, and briefings. Subscribe for free insights at ClarkEnergyConsulting.com That's ClarkEnergyConsulting.com <laughs> It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in
3: life, you know? What do you do in society? You succeed at a thing, and then you teach other people how you did it. And now
1: to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you, There's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. Welcome back to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us here at the Hatch Coaches Studio. I have an email here calling me the North Dakota Nomad. Another email right here calling me the Shale Play Profit. And if you have an email like the one that was sent in for the oil and gas show happening in Illinois, you can email us, Jason at thecrudelife.com. doesn't even have to be a clever nickname for me. It could be about an event, like our featured event today, the Illinois Oil and Gas Association 2020 Annual Convention and Trade Show. It's the 74th Annual Convention happening in Evansville, Indiana. And folks, we have the link right at our show page at CrudeLife.com. And if you're wondering when the event is, because you want to write it in your calendar, March 3rd through the 5th in Evansville, Indiana. That's March 3rd through the 5th. All right, I see Provolone, you're giving me the signal, so I have paused long enough. Well, we have got Joel Brown with MineralTracker.com. He is lined up to go on our Bakken barbecue phone lines. As I sit here in our Hatch coaching studios, Provolone, our entitled intern, is manning the production elements of the podcast. My name is Jason Spies. Let's get right to the Bakken barbecue phone lines. Bring in. Joel Brown of Mineraltracker.com.
4: Joel Brown, Mineral Tracker.
1: Levels look good. All right. Welcome here to the Crude Life Productions, I don't know, podcast. Week in review. We got all kinds of content we do. Magazine articles, which I have to deadline today. Thank you for reminding me of that. Uh Joel Brown, how you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing today, Jason? Oh, not too bad. Like I said, I'm kind of thinking out loud, realizing some of the deadlines we do. That's one thing when we just got an ecosystem of activity, we got deadlines every day, whether it's a radio or a magazine or a podcast or a. (laughs) new news site you know you know how it is expect and 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 transitioning to the world of minerals you guys have information floating out there the same same way i do just it seems like it's always going on out there any sort of aggregate you can get to corral the stuff seems to be a way that helps people in their lives today so with that excellent transition describe what mineral tracker is and how you guys are helping the oil and gas industry
4: yeah absolutely Jason so uh, kind of like you said you know there is there's just a ton of information out there and if you can find a way to aggregate that information uh, to to um, you know analyze it to to shape it into a um, a usable format for the average mineral owner uh, that's really the the concept that we've come up with when we uh, when we began creating mineral tracker And so what mineral tracker actually is, it's an online software, um, any mineral owner or, or really anybody could go sign up for it. And what it's doing is it's pulling information from multiple sources in North Dakota in particular, we, we are, uh, very, uh, very lucky to have such a great, um, state reporting system here. And so there's a ton of information available uh, regarding the oil and gas industry in North Dakota, but it's not necessarily the most user-friendly, and it's not going to be customized automatically to your wells, your interest, to what your uh, mineral asset looks like. And so that's what we've done in Mineral Tracker. By going and signing up for Mineral Tracker at mineraltracker.com, a mineral owner can enter their wells, enter their interests. It takes usually less than 10 minutes for anywhere from you know one to a hundred wells even uh, to input this information and to uh, get signed up for mineral tracker and then once that information is input into your mineral tracker profile uh, we begin pulling information from the department of mineral resources we pull from uh, the energy information administration we pull from all of these different sources to combine and say this is what your mineral asset looks like and we do things like Uh, estimate revenue amounts for you know past revenues so that you have something to audit your checks against Um, we utilize a uh, an internal database that we've created ourselves to project the future income of all oil and gas wells uh, in the state of North Dakota and we make that available to our uh, pro users in mineral tracker Um, we uh, we've integrated a, a comprehensive mapping tool And document storage and then ultimately you know the what we think is probably the most important thing about mineral tracker is it's a great tool uh, all by itself but it's backed up by oil and gas professionals here in the state of North Dakota and so if there is an issue which it seems like all mineral owners have some sort of an issue if they're looking into their assets if there's something that needs to be done if there's a situation where uh, someone needs to roll up their sleeves and dig into a problem, uh, work on your behalf to uh, correct an error with an operator, uh, need for an appraisal, need for you know, help selling, things along those lines. We, we really can get involved in any of that on a personal basis as well. And so Mineral Tracker, we want to be a one-stop shop, uh, essentially a marketplace for if you're a mineral owner in the state of North Dakota, your resource is MineralTracker.com.
1: You kind of alluded to a little bit about how you pay attention to what's going on out in the industry. You know, I mean, you're tracking minerals. It's it's a pretty cut and dry thing at the end of the day. It's just, you know, kind of figuring out the analytics, if you will, that people are looking for to be customized to whatever their situation is. And that's that's an art form and a science project in and itself. But you take on a kind of a leadership role around Watford City. I know you do for sure. Uh, some of the things you were mentioning about keeping a pulse on different state agencies and regulations, if you will, that impact the way you have to adjust your software accordingly makes me feel that you kind of keep a pulse on what's going on at the state as well. Um, I want The reason I, br- I bring that up is... I was just looking at, you know, some of the headlines in the last week and you're starting to see some bills being introduced and you're starting to see some things happening, you know, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico. Um, when, it, when it comes to like the Bakken and North Dakota, whether it's we were discussing off the air some of the issues happening on on some minerals uh, at the state capitol, I talk with Josh Swanson from Volga Law up underneath Lake Sakakawea, that sort of thing. You know, so th- th- there's dynamic changes. Do do you guys follow the stuff that's going on there, or do you just kind of wait for the final call to be done? You know, because at the end of the day, like I said, you got you, you you have to adjust accordingly. Correct?
4: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so we're definitely we're keeping our ear to the ground on a lot of these things. Uh, but we also we come at everything with a, a very technical uh, perspective. You know, we were um trained as petroleum engineers. We're pretty pragmatic uh, in nature. And so, you know it, it, that we were aware that there are a lot of things in flux right now uh, for mineral ownership in the state. There are a lot of things being, um, you know, talked about regarding deductions, regarding you know the the lakebed mineral case, you know all these different things. That um, yeah, we're definitely we're keeping a pulse on, and we're we're prepared to adjust accordingly, you know, as decisions get made. But ultimately, you know, we don't we don't see ourselves as being you know directly input into that decision making process. In certain ways, you know, we're we're going to be reactionary to whatever decisions happen. We just need to be flexible and dynamic to be able to shift to the changing marketplace uh, that is mineral ownership in North Dakota.
1: Well, and I bring that up because I think people forget that sometimes, that when you have some sort of tracking software, some sort of analytics as a service, it's dynamic and it's always changing. It's not like hey we're done with it now it just prints money. It it doesn't work like that at all. <laughs> so anyway, I thought I'd I'd bring that up because it, you know to what level uh, that is tracked, you know, you can go some people go as far as you know create, trying to get involved with that advocacy, other people more reactionary because at the end of the day that's what the service is is to is, is to de- delineate to the people what they're like I say their their customized mineral wants and needs are Mm -hmm. Hmm. so
4: yep exactly we all kind of fill we all fill different roles you know integrated into this uh this entire field of mineral rights in north dakota um and they're all really important roles but they're definitely there's a need for someone to just
1: provide a resource and that's the that's the need that we're looking to fulfill last time we mentioned that the average person that got minerals out in the Bakken was, uh, refresh my memory again. Cause I found that fascinating. <laughs>
4: yeah. The, the average person, uh, in, in North Dakota collecting minerals is a 65 year old woman collecting less than $600 a month off of the minerals. Um, so a little bit a little bit different picture than I think what most people think of as mineral owners because I think most people assume that if you own minerals that you are a multimillionaire that you've got you know several houses scattered around the country and you know all, all these different things but the truth is that mineral rights have been so divided uh, among you know various generations and in in state and outs out of state uh, parties and uh, different family members things along those lines that it's a lot of it has become, you know, just so spread out and divided so many different times that uh, the the incomes for individuals can be, you know, they range a lot. There are certainly those who are making, you know, pretty significant uh, revenue off of these things, but there are a lot who are, you know, realizing 600 bucks a month isn't anything to sneeze at, of course. It's something that you should be aware of, that you should be um, understanding, you know, how that may change, because that's still a significant amount to know someone uh some someone's life um but it, it we wanted to make sure that knowing that you know not every single person who was collecting on minerals was making you know millions of dollars a year off their minerals that even for that 65 year old woman who was collecting 600 a month uh that she had a resource as well and so that's why we that's ultimately why we created mineral tracker
1: were you were you raised in Watford City? I guess what's your background when it comes to oil and gas? Because you know you're you're kind of that younger generation, and you know you you seem to have a grasp on the industry. You have an understanding. Um, you you have a a desire to keep the industry going. And I guess I just kind of wondered what, what what's your background when it comes to oil and gas? How yeah. how, how did you get into that? You know how? I love you, Jason. What, what's that? <laughs>
4: That's very perceptive of you. I, um, so you, you're right. I was, I was raised in the Watford City area. My grandfather, actually, um, he started in the oil and gas industry when he was in eighth grade and dropped out of high school, began driving truck, ultimately uh, became a driller for you know two decades or more, and then went on and started a downhole fishing company called Northern States that uh, has been around in uh, Watford City, North Dakota, since you know, the, the early 80s. Um, and so uh, my my father he took over that business, and I wound up uh, from the time I was 13 years old I was in there sweeping floors, and um, you know ultimately got a chance to learn a lot from you know just being around the industry from a young age. And then uh, ultimately, when you know I was going through uh, going through high school, I you know recognized that I had a bit of a talent for math, a bit of a talent for you know, finance and ultimately decided that I wanted to be in the oil and gas industry. Um, and so I decided to go into petroleum engineering. And I was lucky enough that uh, by the time I was a sophomore, University of North Dakota had just launched their uh, first uh, petroleum engineering classes. And so I, I ultimately got to go from, you know, being a 13-year-old kid sweeping the floor at, uh, at an uh, oil field service company. Um, to becoming one of the first graduates from the University of North Dakota with petroleum engineering. And uh, we always had that goal, ultimately, of going back and working with my grandfather and father, uh, only to find out that uh, oil, the Northern States Fishing Tool Company didn't really have much of a need for a petroleum engineer. And uh, so I, I did wind up going a slightly different route, got involved in acquisitions and divestments, had to move out of North Dakota for a period of time. Um, And then about uh, four years ago now, my wife and I, we've moved back to Watford City, which is home and launched this entire uh, this entire business aimed towards helping mineral owners. And so, you know, from uh, the my background that I have in oil and gas from a young age to, you know, the the, my early professional career working in acquisitions and divestment, I've been able to draw that experience to. You know help support local mineral owners a lot of people that you know i grew up knowing here in watford city um and i i just think it is a really fun story and yeah i would i would say that the uh the oil and gas industry is in my blood <laughs> i do have a passion towards uh continuing to see it thrive
1: i would say so yeah i'm always curious how you know people that are during that younger generation gravitate towards it or how they ended up there because it's um well, the industry is going through some changes, so it's good to know which ones are have an understanding of how it was built. And th- you're third generation, then.
4: Yeah, I am third generation. I'm the fifth generation of my family to live out here in McKenzie County. My uh, my grandfather's grandfather homesteaded out in the Keene area, actually. So. We've, uh, we've got really deep roots here, and uh, I, I absolutely love western North Dakota. I'm, I'm very passionate about seeing it uh, continue to grow and develop, and it's uh, it's been really fun to see how things have changed, you know, through the uh, the boom and the downturns and, you know, leveling out here in the Bakken. Uh, it's been really uh, dynamic
1: and a lot of fun. What kind of updates you got from Main Street, Watford City? It's one of the more <laughs> more fun cities to track because it's, you know, they say if your community gets one to two percent growth, you're a healthy community. Three percent, you're thriving. Five percent, you're just robust beyond belief. Watford City was like, what, 5,000 percent? I mean, <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, it's uh, I'm trying to think, what is it? It's close to um, I think it's um, grown. A- maybe six times uh, what it was when I was uh, going to school here.
1: Okay, um, I, I, I want to say, I think I did a story at one time, and it was like a 300% growth or something like that, and six times wouldn't surprise me at all, but it was unprecedented growth. I mean, like I said, 5% means you're robust, and you guys tripled and quadrupled the the population. But the thing that that really is interesting to me is, the amount of quality of life investments that went into Watford City to really ensure that people are going to stick around there um, you know, for, for years to come. And what, what kind of, uh, I guess, changes have been made from when you were a kid growing up in Watford to now?
4: would take an entire show i think to list them all off but you know i think uh in in general i really think that the leadership here in mckenzie county and watford city uh they they've been i don't know if there's a better word than aggressive or uh at least they're they're willing to take a risk and i think that 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 risk has really been rewarded um in what they have been uh what they've been attempting You know, so we do have I think that, you know, if you were looking at quality of life investments, um, I think that Watford would be at the forefront, very progressive in what we're trying to develop here as a thriving community, a place that people want to live. And even if you may have moved here, you know, from Texas or Oklahoma or somewhere so far removed from North Dakota, we want to create a place here where you want to stay. And I really think that is what we what we've kind of um, come up with here in Watford City. You know, I mean, from things like a you know just a beautiful Main Street uh, to new and exciting restaurants being born out of Watford City. Um, the The Rough Rider Center is a just a, an incredible facility that works as a convention center and recreation center. Uh, that thing is filled basically on a daily basis daily basis with all kinds of different activities and. I do not think that you would find likely another community the size of Watford that has a facility of that quality. Um, and we really just see it as, you know, Watford City is right in the heart of the block and we want uh, Watford City to continue to become a hub for this region and a place that people want to be in, a place that people want to settle down long-term. And I think that's really what we've created here. Um, and it's been really fun to see, you know, early on in the boom, you know, we were experiencing increases in crime. Traffic was just absolutely awful. I mean, Watford had become a difficult place to live for a period of time as we were experiencing that really rapid growth early on. But the uh, the leadership here has done such a good job, I think, adjusting to that um, to a point now where Watford City is not only the fastest growing city in North Dakota, one of the very fastest growing in the country, uh, but we were actually voted nicest city in north dakota um in 2019 you know and we just continue to win awards like that and we've seen the narrative of Watford shift from this scary oil field town to a really progressive and thriving place that people want to be and so it's kind of fun to talk to people from around the state about mm-hmm. Watford city because you know everyone everyone's hearing good things now and so that's uh we're really happy that that narrative is going to shift
1: so coming up here i want to say in the next um uh, six months or so, they're going to reevaluate all the two point six million acres of state-owned minerals, aren't they?
4: Yeah, and actually, I mean, it's not even a reevaluation. This will be the very first valuation.
1: Ever oh, they, no, event. no kidding. They haven't even evaluated them yet, huh?
4: No, and it's you know, it's not it's not uncommon. um You know, it's it's a really daunting task. There are. You know, 2.6 million net mineral acres. Uh, that that accounts for about 7,700 wells in the state of North Dakota. Um, the Department of Trust Lands uh, manages the largest mineral um, mineral position in the state of North Dakota. And so, to to you know, drill into each one of those wells, each one of those spacing units, all of the undeveloped area that they have an interest in is a is a really daunting task, and it requires a very um, in-depth level of detail to be able to form an analysis of that type and so um ultimately we uh we along with a handful of other companies participated in a uh proposal process to the state and ultimately we at mineral tracker were awarded that contract and so um
1: oh no yeah. kidding i didn't even know that oh <laughs> did you not no i know i didn't i just knew that i talked to jody the other day and i just remember her bringing that up um how something like that, I just 2.6 million, of course, stood out in my head. And so I thought, you know, I'll ask you about that because I think that I did, you know, that's why I said reevaluate because I just assumed that the valuation was already done. But so you guys are the ones that are going to do the valuation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. awesome. Oh, well, how serendipitous was that question? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Who knew? Uh,
1: well, yeah. just so people know, I mean, hey man, when you're at the crude life, our interviews are organic. We don't we don't pre-plan <laughs> them here, man. <laughs> no,
4: not at all. <laughs> no, that's funny.
1: So okay, so it's gonna be uh, this summer. Is that is that right? When kind of you, you think things will come to fruition, or or what's the timeline? I guess.
4: Yep, that's the plan. Is that we are looking uh, at having a evaluation completed for the state. Uh, probably July or August of this um, summer is what we're anticipating right now. You know, Ultimately, this, this project, it's going to be by far the, log- the largest single project that we've worked on as a team, though we've worked on large mineral valuations in the past. Um, this, this will be the largest mineral valuation ever performed in the history of the state of North Dakota. And so we we ultimately through the bidding process we were the only offers that were coming out of the state of North Dakota and so we were really happy and um, a little bit proud too that you know we were able to uh, offer on something so important to the state of North Dakota is evaluating their mineral position, um, you know, and having that done here in the state, uh, and so we think it's really cool that that's you know something we're able to offer not just in North Dakota but you know in Watford City right in the heart of the Bakken. Um, so we're we're excited to get uh, get into it we're still working through some of the preliminary stuff and just gathering information um, but ultimately when uh, when the time comes around we will be uh, we will be very busy for a number of months as we're putting that uh, valuation together
1: so I understand there's going to be some research etc put into this is there i mean do you need to put the word out there you know how they used to do the public service announcements in the newspaper which I'm sure they still do it but I mean I haven't I, I, I have no idea. Um, but is is there is there any amount of like public service announcements that you guys are going to need through the course of this, or um, is it pretty? Do they already know who owns all the minerals? Do you know what I mean by that? Because sometimes people don't even know if they own minerals.
4: <laughs> yeah, right. No, I think uh, the the state is in a really good position right now. You know, they've got an excellent management team at the Department of Trust Lands, headed, headed up by Jody Smith. Um, and so they will have the information that we will need in order to perform the valuation, which you're, you're right. In a lot of the valuations that we uh, do for individuals, it can be hard to track that information down. But fortunately, the state is in a good position where they've you know, got a good catalog of everything that they own. And, you know, if we've got that as a starting uh, as a starting point, knowing what you own, we're, we're already uh, further ahead than we are in most of the valuations that we wind up doing. Because um, usually you're right, there is that level of, uh, of research that needs to be done early on to identify what is being appraised because it's not quite as simple as, you know, I own this house or I own, you know, this, uh, this quarter section or I own this, you know, because we, like we talked about, minerals are so divided um, that a lot of times uh, mineral owners are not aware of what they own.
1: Well, and I, I remember too looking at some property. I want to say in either Wyoming or maybe it was South Dakota. I can't remember which one it was, but um, you, in some instances you, you don't get the minerals, in other ones you you get half. I mean, right. I was like you get half. Oh, okay. I mean, like whatever. I mean, but now I understand more as I as I get older. But um, so it is. It can become very complex. So, uh, talk to me about the service plans you have because I know you guys have kind of a free introductory uh, service plan at uh, mineraltracker dot com for those people who want to track it. And then you've got some different tiered pricing. But uh, talk to me about uh, your different service plans and you know how people can benefit from what we, what we were just talking about because you've got some big changes coming. <laughs>
4: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, good question. So you're right at the, uh, at the very lowest level we offer through mineral tracker, what we call the basic plan. Uh, the basic plan, um, is a still, you can go, you can sign up for your own portfolio, enter all your wells and interests, and it's going to have, you know, some of the tools that are available through the the professional plan as well. Um, but that starts at, uh, nothing it's free. Um, and so there's really no reason that Anyone who's collecting any amount of minerals shouldn't be, uh, you know, looking into this signing up for mineral tracker, uh, just based on the basic plan. The next level up is the, uh, the pro plan in mineral tracker. And what this includes, one of the most important things that this includes uh, among a handful of other tools that aren't available through the basic plan is the inclusion of the future projections on each one of your wells. You now this is something that we don't automate. This isn't something that we've got an algorithm that goes through and says, if your well produced this much over the last six months, it's gonna decline you know, X amount over the next 10 years. Uh, we are having an engineer look at every single one of these wells on a regular basis and update the future projections on each one of them. And that's being housed in mineral tracker. Um, so we're doing decline curve analysis on every well in the state. In order to uh, fill that you know 15,000 wells in total um, and that's something that's really unique that's not really offered anywhere else and then beyond that you know mineral tracker is built to be a standalone tool something that an individual mineral owner can use but for those who are looking for that next level of service who are um, you know they're they're collecting on their royalties they know that there's a level of diligence that needs to go into managing these things correctly But ultimately, they just either don't have the time or don't want to uh, be the the person checking off on that. We do offer full uh, mineral management services in which we will become the mineral manager for our clients. Uh, We're auditing revenue on a regular basis. We're looking at wells, reviewing division orders, helping with leases as necessary, and really just kind of plug in and manage it like it was our own minerals, essentially um and then there are a whole slew of other service offerings that we can provide on the professional services side including mineral appraisals um we've helped people sell their minerals in the past because you know they're ultimately uh there are you know reasons to sell your minerals if you've got uh you know life event coming up something to a point where uh you need that lump sum right now um we we can plug into that process and just ensure that if you do decide to sell your minerals that you're going to get the best price possible for them um and then we've done large-scale audits and ultimately you know we're we're a small enough team uh that we can be flexible and if there is a problem or if there is an issue um you know a mineral owner can just balance it to us and there's likely a place that we can plug in to support them in that
1: this might be a dumb question but we're talking both oil and gas minerals
4: Yep, that's correct. Both oil and gas minerals. I will say that we do not get involved in uh, coal or uranium or uh, rare <laughs> earth materials. Uh, that's a little about <laughs> that. That was
1: my next question actually. I was going to be a little bit of a smart ass and say, "Well, what about palladium? What about water, you know? I understand arsenic levels are kind of high in western North Dakota. So, what about arsenic, you know? That can be sold as a preservative. So, did you know that by the way? That's why the dinosaurs are preserved so well out there. It's because of the high levels of arsenic in the water."
4: <laughs> no, I didn't. So, I, I yeah, it sounds like you know more about certain minerals than I do.
1: Well, it, it, you know, you know me. I, I love to discuss uh, basically any topic that has to do with oil and gas and and beyond. And um, so we'll have paleontologists on and 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 geologists and that sort of thing. And that's what they get into. And I just love it. I you know I, any any time I can learn a new angle towards how this you know Earth operates and how the world works, I absolutely love it. And so when I look at what you guys are doing. Boy, did you pick the perfect time, too, when it's minus 40 degrees outside and 70-mile-an-hour winds. That's the time to hunker down and do the analytic research, isn't it?
4: <laughs> yeah, you know it. It's, uh, it's uh, easy to um, just plug in in the winter in North Dakota.
1: Well, you can get in and hibernate and stay warm and everything. And then by the time, you know, when it's, I, you know, the summer, spring, fall, whenever you, it sounds like summer, you're going to June, July... Perfect time to get out there and and, and share the results. Are you guys going to go and, and do any sort of uh, campaign with this? Or is the state going to do any sort of campaign with this in terms of, uh, the, you know, sharing the results out there? Or is this just pretty much cut and dry? You know, I'm, I don't
4: have any insight as to what the uh, how the state is going to wind up presenting the results to the public. Our responsibility ultimately is to present it to the Department of Trust lands and then the uh, the board um, there as well, and so we'll be happy to plug into you know whatever role they want us to fulfill in that. Um, but ultimately, you know, our our kind of end deliverable at this point in time is that uh, that valuation report um, that we ultimately will wind up presenting to the uh, the Department of Trust Lands board. And then uh, also, um, the state is going to begin using Mineral Tracker uh, as a, a, just another tool in their belt, uh, another resource to help manage their mineral position as well. And so um, as kind of an ongoing task, they're going to be using Mineral Tracker um, and uh, employing that to help audit their, audit their uh, uh, mineral position and um, just uh, have, have another tool that they can use to manage
1: it. So, oh, that's fantastic. So I imagine, yeah, it'll be a collaboration going forward. Then where my mind was originally was um, the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference, which is in May. And whether, whether I assume you guys are going to be there, if not with a booth, at least, you know, there, geez, who knows, you, you might even be presenting at some, some, <laughs> at some level at, at some point, you know, the little side things they have going on there. But are you guys going to be at the conference?
4: Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: That, I, that's I, what I thought. But this information won't be done then.
4: No, no, it won't be done at that
1: point. Okay. That's that's where I was in my head. So that's why I didn't know. Because if it was, I'm sure you'd have some some presentation there, some information there and everything. So I do see where this is going to be kind of uh, cross-promoted going forward at conferences and, you know, yeah. just, just briefings and that sort of thing. Because, um, you know, this is quite an undertaking. If you guys are doing the first valuation uh, what is it? Two point six? Is that is that right? Yep, two point six million. <laughs> the old memory still works occasionally. Look at that. All right. So well. Um, well, that's fantastic. Sounds like a pretty good client too, with the uh, uh, state of North Dakota. I mean, the government's always a great client to get, and <laughs> so good good for you on that. But this is fantastic news uh sounds like things are going great Watford City seems to be uh, moving along pretty well out there in terms of uh robust nature and the activity seems to be going well uh how can people get in touch with you if they want to know more and uh what type of things are on the horizon for mineral tracker give yourself a little plug here as we can conclude the interview if you will
4: yeah absolutely so Anyone who wants to get in touch with us and you know we we take phone calls um you know all all day uh easiest way is to either go to mineraltracker.com our contact information is there um our phone number is 833 um or you can email us at info info@mineraltracker.com at and we we field all kinds of requests uh there's nothing too crazy to throw out there uh, to see if there's some place that we can plug in and become a resource for uh, mineral owners, but ultimately on the horizon, uh, Jason, I think uh, we're we're likely going to be um, you know pretty uh, tied up here for a little while with this uh, Department of Trust Lands valuation, um, but ultimately we're going to continue to. Uh, support, um, you know, the, uh, the average mineral owner going forward to, we're definitely not planning on putting pause or pressing pause on anything else that we have going on uh, while we're working through this uh, large-scale valuation for the state. We definitely have the resources cont- to continue to serve the uh, general mineral owner population. And so we're just going to continue plugging in where we can and uh, continue to be a valuable resource for uh, the mineral owners here in the state of North Dakota.
0: To listen to the full-length interview, visit Mm, thecrudelife.com.
3: Historic, the first full-conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery.
2: that is going to do it for today's
1: the food life podcast thanks folks for tuning in and joining us here at the food life podcast i'd like to thank joel brown with mineraltracker.com for joining us on the program mike mcmahon with eco vapor recoveries coming up in just a moment or two on our bakken barbecue phone lines we like to conclude the program with a little bit of a quick interview a little update that sort of thing it's actually what we do on our radio shows uh we've got Uh, Several radio programs we do and one of them is a daily three and a half minute update which many radio stations uh, across the upper Midwest air and so we just air it on the tail end of the program and today it's with Mike McMahon with Ecovapor Recovery Systems. He's going to give some examples and some solutions to flaring working with the project with Shell so he talks about that. Our headlines are available at thecrudelife.com on our show page Clark Energy Consultant. Thank you very much for being our show sponsor today. Clark Energy Consulting is an advisory firm that provides market research and commentary specifically for investment, consulting, and industry professionals focused in oil and gas. Clark Energy Consulting advises on topics ranging from market and growth strategy to investment and risk analysis. Their goal is to develop lasting and rewarding relationships with their clients and friends. This year, Clark Energy Consulting is launching a 2020 campaign called OG Briefs, designed to provide regular updates on oil prices, current events, outlooks. They even have a podcast, an article, reports, and briefings. For more information and subscribe to the free OG Briefs at ClarkEnergyConsulting.com. That's ClarkEnergyConsulting.com. I also want to mention our featured event today was the Illinois Oil and Gas Association 2020 Annual Convention and Trade Show. The 74th Annual Convention is happening in Evansville, Indiana, March 3rd through the 5th. Hundreds of independent oil and gas producers flock together in Evansville, Indiana, March 3rd through the 5th as they discuss what's going on in that region in the Illinois region, Indiana. Region for the Oil and Gas Association 2020 Annual Convention and Trade Show. I forget about the oil and gas activity in Illinois and Indiana, so maybe we should get somebody with an update from there as well. If you have an event, if you have a band like the Moody River Band you're listening to, or if you have a news story, or heck, if you want to be interviewed, or if you would like to sponsor us, go ahead and email jason at thecrudelife.com. That's jason at thecrudelife.com. Dot com, and we will gladly get in touch with you and figure out your inquiry and hopefully satisfy it. Also, Johnny Green's EcoWatch, building one wind turbine, requires 900 tons of steel, 2500 tons of concrete, and 45 tons of plastic. Let me repeat that one more time for the Earth's champion, Johnny Green, the greatest environmentalist on Earth. Johnny Green, building one wind Wind turbine requires 900 tons of steel, 2,500 tons of concrete, and 45 tons of plastic. That article and more information on Johnny Green's EcoWatch, available at thecrudelife.com and click on our show page. That's going to do it, folks. Mike McMahon coming up in just a moment or two on our Bakken barbecue phone lines, but I'm going to say goodbye for now, folks, from the staff here at the Crude Life podcast, Provolone, Awesome job today, thank you very much. My name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spees, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode we talk with Mike McMahon from Eco Vapor Recovery Systems, talking about emission management, flaring, and innovation in the oil field. In just a second, part of our exclusive interview with Mike McMahon with Eco Vapor Recovery Systems, right here on the Crude Life Daily Update.
0: There's there are a lot of projects uh, going on in all basins, uh, you know, to improve you know pipeline and takeaway capacity so that the gas can be captured. There is technology that can strip out uh, the NGLs, and uh, and then you're only flaring methane, which is uh, you know a cleaner solution than flaring the entire vapor stream with the NGLs first of all where the, where takeaway capacity exists we at Ecovapor help the operators you know develop solutions which can eliminate flaring and uh, basically just make flaring an activity that takes place in emergency only you know there are many operators that have taken fairly uh, aggressive stances in environmental leadership where they have said you know we we know we can still get some permitting for flaring but we're going to uh, step beyond that and we're going to demonstrate environmental leadership and we're going to reduce and eliminate flaring uh, one example of that is shell uh, in the permian and uh, we've worked on a project with shell there's a case study uh, on the ecovapor.com website that details our work with shell where uh, you know shell decided to uh, you know that they would take uh, environmental leadership position and reduce and eliminate flaring in the permian and uh, with the Ecovapor solution in place, uh, we have uh, helped Shell reduce their flaring by over 80% in the Permian over the last year and a half. So, flaring, although still permitted in in most regions, uh, you know, still is is a very visible uh, sign of uh, you know of, of waste. And so, uh, you know, we we help operators eliminate that, that flaring and, and capture that gas. <clears throat> Obviously, commodity prices right now for gas are, are not very good. However, the Ecovapor solution offers, uh, you know, many different avenues for, uh, you know, for economic payback. Uh, not only is the vapor captured and sold, <clears throat> so there is incremental gas revenue, but also the, the vapor that's generated in the tank battery is a very rich uh, stream. Uh, you know, natural gas is around 1,000 BTUs, uh, the, the vapor off the tanks is, is typically two and a half times or even more that and so there are some higher carbon components in that vapor stream.
1: To listen to the full-length interview with Mike McMahon with Eco Vapor Recovery Systems, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit the crudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our daily podcast at the CrudeLife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life.
0: The Crude Life is sponsored in part by
1: Historic,
3: the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking the Davis Refinery.
2: You a and the harmony. It's <laughs>
0: every Monday through Thursday with a Week in Review on Friday.
5: Well, I was tears old when John Lennon died. Well, I was 23 when George said goodbye. Yeah, next go I think it's Paul I say. And then there'll be only Ringo to play Well, Gandhi says now for now makes the whole world blind And I was two years old when John Lennon died I was born through a harvest moon And it wasn't too late and I wasn't too soon And I was born on the first day of my life And I was two years old when John Lennon died You know that I've lived, yeah, you know that I've tried Well, I've told the truth, yeah, you know that I've lied You know we do what we do so we can survive And I was two years old when John Lennon died